Blog Talk Radio. Shalom, Malakim. This is Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Zion's Redemption Radio Network and Fundamentally Mormon. Uh, today is the seventh day of January 2021. It is a Friday night. And it is the only day of the week I get off this week, so I am relaxing. However, the phone lines are open. Anybody with questions or comments can call during the reading, and they will be brought into the studio, uh, to the uh, screening room. And then uh, if you want to go live after the reading, that's fine. The reading is about an hour and a half. And then we'll take questions or comments live on the air if people want to do that. Program was recorded, well, quite a while ago. It's episode 214. And yesterday we finished episode two, uh, 522. So it's a while ago, but um, it's really good audio and it's a pretty good uh, program. So we're going to just do a throwback Friday for to wrap up the week. So once again, if you want to listen to this program um, in its original episode, it is episode 214. You can find that on uh, iTunes podcast by searching Fundamentally Mormon. This chapter is called the testimony of four witnesses, speaking of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think. I I listened to it a bunch today, and I got it. Oh, it's also uh, available to uh, listen to on uh, YouTube. Uh, you can find that at youtube.com forward slash God is my compass. That's God is my compass. And this is chapter seven of Who Crucified Christ? So also, if you go to tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, you can read along with uh, the chapter and all the text that will be read tonight. So, all right, so let's get into it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And this is episode 214 of Fundamentally Mormon, which was done, I think, let me see here. Maybe it'll tell me. No, it's not telling me. I think it was done in 2019. So, all right, here we go. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. And, oh, once again, the guest call in line is 917-889-8827. And there's a chat room available while the show is live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Blog Talk Radio. Brooks Chem, this is Mark Lichtenwalter coming to you live on this third day of February 2020. The guest caller number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. This is Fundamentally Mormon. We are going to be reading Chapter 7 of Who Crucified Christ, The Testimony of Four Witnesses. So we'll get right into that today. This might be a two-parter. It's kind of a longer chapter. You can read this book for free online at ogdenkraut.com. 
once you get on the main page at ogdencrowd.com, just scroll down to read Ogden's books and then click on that and then scroll down to Who Crucified Christ. And we are on page 54 today. So uh, let's get right into it. The Testimony of Four Witnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. John chapter 3, verse 11. Although out of these four men, only John was an actual witness of Christ's crucifixion, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were witnesses of the actions of those who accused him and were responsible for his death, either before or after the event. The series of appearances and trials for Jesus were particularly confusing because of the twisting and turning of events between Jewish and Roman leaders. To help clarify the sequence, let's first read a synopsis of events from Henry Haley's Bible Handbook, The Trial of Jesus, told in Matthew chapter 26, verse 57 through 27, verse 31. Mark chapter 14, verse 53, through Mark chapter 15, verse 20, and Luke chapter 22, verse 54, through 23, 25, and also John chapter 18, verse 12, through chapter 19, verse 16. There were two trials before the Sanhedrin and before Pilate, the Roman governor. Judea was was subject to Rome. The Sanhedrin could not execute a death sentence without the Roman governor's consent. There were stages, three stages to each trial, six in all. Page 55. Number one, before Annas, John, the, uh, John chapter 18, verses 20, uh, I'm sorry, 12 through 24, about midnight, Caiaphas, the high priest, by his father-in-law, Annas, who had been dispatched, disposed in 16 AD, still retained the influence of the office. The family had grown immensely wealthy, trading booths of the temple. On the high priest of the Hebrew nation rests the primary responsibility for the death of Jesus. Number two, before the Sanhedrin in the house of Caiaphas, according to Matthew Chapter 26, verse 57, Mark 14, 53, Luke 22, 54, and John 18, 24. Before midnight and daybreak, this was the main Jewish trial. They condemned him on the charge of blasphemy from his own acknowledgement that he was the Son of God. Mark chapter 14, 61 and 62. Then while waiting for daylight, they mocked him. This was when Peter denied him. This session, being at night, was by their own Torah law illegal. Number three, at daylight, the Sanhedrin officially ratified its midnight decision. Mark 27.1. I'm sorry, Matthew 27.1. Mark 15.1. Luke 22, verses 66 to... Excuse me. Got that 
came on me pretty quick. Hold on. verses 66 to 71. To give it the appearance of legality, the charge blasphemy was blasphemy, but with Pilate, that would have little weight. So for him, they concocted, concocted the charge of sedition against the Roman government. Their real reason was their envy of Jesus's popularity, according to Matthew chapter 27, verse 18. Number four, before Pilate, I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. You can find them uh, in the reading of the book. Before Pilate, shortly after daylight, Jesus made no reply to their accusations. Then Pilate took him within the palace for a private interview, which further satisfied him of Jesus' innocence. Learning that Jesus was from the Galilee, Pilate sent him to Herod, had jurisdiction over the Galilee, Matthew 27, 11 through 25. Number five, before Herod, Luke 23, 6 through 12, this was the Herod who had killed John the Baptist, whose father had murdered the children of Bethlehem. Jesus refused to answer any of his questions. Herod mocked Jesus and sent him back to Pilate. Number six, before Pilate again, Pilate attempted to go over the head of the rulers of the people, but the packed court Barabbas. When Pilate ordered Jesus to be scourged, hoping it would satisfy the multitudes, his wife would send word of her dream. So that's Pilate's wife. Pilate is amazed at the calm majesty of Jesus under the crown of thorns, but there are rumblings of rising of a rising riot and threats to report him to Caesar. But Pilate gives, and Pilate gives sentence. Bible Handbook, Henry Haley, page 444, uh, 440. In a court of law, both then and now, among requirements for judgment against a criminal is to provide witnesses and to hear their testimony. Let us now consider the testimony of four witnesses who personally knew Jesus <clears throat> and who testified to what they saw and heard in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew. Matthew was a Jew, and his original name was Levi. The name of Matthew was probably adopted by his new apostolic, apostolic name. His home at Capernaum was at Capernaum. His business was the collection of dues and customs from persons for good, goods crossing the Sea of Galilee and passing along the great Damascus, Damascus Road, which ran along the shore between Bethsaida, Jules, and Capernaum. He appeared to be a man of wealth. Jesus called him from his work to be a disciple. He became the author of the Gospel of Luke, which was written at least 20 years later. There is a legend that he died as a martyr in Ethiopia. See Smith's Dictionary of the Bible, pages 387 and 388. 
Jesus saith unto him, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected, the same as become head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say unto you, Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation belonging, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whoso ever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Matthew chapter 21, verses 42 through 46. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of Passover. But it was actually the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Actually, it was the Festival of Unleavened Bread, which began with the Feast of Passover. Anyway, and the Son of Man is betrayed and crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulting that they might, that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him, but they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. People, Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through 5. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, through many, though many false witnesses came, yet they found none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow, this fellow said, this fellow said, I am going to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is this which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Thou hast said, basically like you said it, you said it. <laughs> Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further have we need of, the, of these witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then they then they spit in his face and buffeted him and swore and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Matthew twenty six verse fifty nine through sixty eight. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver 
to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to us. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the the silver pieces and said, it is not not lawful for us to put it in the treasury because it is the price of blood. Matthew chapter 27, 1 through 6 in Mark. Mark was one of the evangelists and the probable author of the gospel bearing his name. His Jewish name was John. See Acts chapter 12, verse 12. It was Yochanan, not John, or whatever. There's no John in Hebrew, in that their language. There's no pronunciation of John. Anyway, Yochanan, and he was cousin of Barabbas of Cyprus. The great friend of St. Paul, Mark had an intimate acquaintance with the Apostle Peter, for St. Peter calls himself Marcus, his son. See 1 Peter 5, verse 13. We first hear of Mark when he accompanied Paul and Barabbas, Barnabas, I'm sorry, on their return from Jerusalem to Antioch in 45 AD. We find him at Paul's side during the apostles' first imprisonment at Rome from 61 to 63 AD. Ecclesiastical tradition affirms that St. Mark visited Egypt, founded the Church of Alexandria, and died by martyrdom. Smith's Bible Dictionary, page 380. Back to two days was the Feast of the Passover and of Unleavened Bread. When the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 2. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. And he sought, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. <clears throat> And immediately, while he cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude of swords and staves, and the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. Mark chapter 14, verses 10 through 11 and 43 through 46. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the place of of the high priest, And he sat down with servants and warmed himself at the fire. 
And the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. You know, it's too bad that these people weren't afraid of breaking Torah, because in the Torah, if you are a false witness, whatever the charge is that you are, like, condemning or trying to get the person condemned for, like, being put to death, uh, whatever it would have been the punishment, you incur that upon yourself. They didn't care. They didn't care that they could be, or that they didn't care about the Torah law, and neither did the high priest. All they cared about was killing an innocent man. It's just an insight that I've uh, given from my studies. Anyway, the chief priests and all the councils sought for a witness. I see. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, I heard him say, I will destroy this temple, and that that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witnesses agree together. And so on page 60 of Who Crucified Christ. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it What is it which these witness against thee? And he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed, the Son of Hashem? Hashem? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting in the right hand of power and coming in the cause of heaven. And the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we have of any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. Why is it blasphemy to say you're the son of God? Like they in their Hebrew idiotism said the same things. I, I don't understand. Um, maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> maybe I should understand. I just don't right now. So... What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Mark chapter 14, verses 53 through 65. And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes, and the whole council bound Jesus and carried him away, and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it, which is another way of saying, You said it, of course I am. <laughs> and the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for, for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that, that that he should rather release Barabbas unto him, which Bar means son of in Aramaic, and Abbas means father, Abba. So it's kind of interesting, the Hebrew names. Like this man literally means son of the Abba, or the father of God, son of, the, son of God. That's what Barabbas means which was the guy's name, which is really interesting. And Pilate answered and said unto him, unto them, said again unto them, 
What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto him, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. So Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them. And they delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 9 through 15. Page 61 of Who Crucified Christ? The Book of Luke. And again, with the Smith's Bible Dictionary, we find that Luke was born in Antioch in Syria and was taught the science of medicine. A well-known tradition that Luke was also a painter and of no mean skills. So, no mean means humble or common skills. Um, Rest on the authority of the late writers. He was not a Jew. He joined St. Thomas at Troas and shared his journey into Macedonia. With the apostle, he passed through Miletius, Tyre, and Syria. Syria, Syria to Jerusalem. He probably died a martyr between 75 AD and 100 AD. He wrote the gospel that bears his name and also the book of Acts, chapter, oh, I guess that's uh, that Bible dictionary, page 366. So pertaining to the accountability of Christ's crucifixion, we read from the, the gospel of Luke, Quote, woe unto you, Jesus talking to the scribes, Pharisees, and lawyers, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets, which is the, the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. So the Jews killed the true prophets, which happens all the time. Like, whenever God sends a prophet, Satan will raise up prophets, which are false prophets, and he'll get to keep the people to reject the true prophets, and to persecute him and to murder him and to slander him and whatever he can do to get him so that they don't listen. <laughs> Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I shall send them prophets and apostles, and some of them shall sit, shall slay and persecute. And the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required at this generation, from the blood of Abel and to the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Luke chapter 11, verse 47 through 51. But Jesus said unto, unto him, Judas, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they were, when they which were about about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders which were come unto him, Be ye come out. 
as against a thief with swords and staves. Oh, I'm here. I'm tired, I'm sick, and my throat is dry. So, let's get a drink here real quick. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is this is your hour and the power of darkness. And they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed far off. Luke chapter 22, verse 48 through 54. And after the crucifixion, behold, two of them went that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass while they were communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have have one with another, as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and a word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and over and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Luke twenty four, thirteen through twenty. John. John was the son of Zebedee, a fisherman of the Lake of Galilee and of Salem, a brother of James, also an apostle. Peter, James, and John come with the innermost circle of the Lord's friends. But to John, belonging belongs the distinction of being the disciple whom Jesus loved. And three are with our Lord when none else are in the chamber of death and in the glory of the transfiguration when the foremost, when he forewarned them of the destruction of the holy city in the agony of Gethsemane. When the betrayal is accomplished, Peter and John followed afar off. The personal acquaintance which existed between John and Caiaphas enabled him to gain access to the council chamber, chambers. And he follows Jesus' bent, and he follows Jesus' bent, even to the praetorium of the Roman procurator. Thus he follows to the place of crucifixion. Later on the Sea of Galilee, John is the first to recognize in the dim form, seen in the morning twilight, the presence of the risen Lord. Peter, the first to plunge into the water and swim towards the shore, where he stood calling to him. The last words of John's gospel revealed to us a deep affection which united the two friends. Tradition goes on to relate that in the persecution under Domaitan, he, speaking of John, is taken to Rome, and thereby his boldness 
though not by death, gained the crown of martyrdom. <clears throat> Smith's Bible Dictionary, page 315. I'm not exactly sure what they're talking about there. So part of the reason I do these radio shows is to share and also to learn. So I learn new things all the time. So that's why I kind of wish that there were more callers that would call in and give their insight. But it is what it is. John's account of the crucifixion and events leading up to it is perhaps the most complete of the four Gospels. Quote, Afterwards, John findeth him whom he had had healed on the Sabbath in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come, up, come unto thee. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And that therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, a son can do, a son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also do us the sum likewise. John chapter 5, verses 14 to 19. Going off on a little bit of a tangent here, part of the restored gospel is the doctrine of multiple mortal probations and the progression of the gods. So we have God the Eternal Father who is over all. <clears throat> Under him, there are many. One of them is Jehovah, who is our Elohim, who is our father. He brought Michael to this earth to create this earth and placed Michael in the garden. Who, and Michael took the name of Adam on man, God the eternal father, upon himself and became the father of all living. A lot later, Jesus came in mortality. Now, Jesus and Jehovah are not the same person. I've gone over that multiple times. Um, It just, that doctrine began to be changed around the 1880s in the restored church. But Joseph Smith taught that Jesus was uh, was the son and that Jehovah, our Elohim, was the grandfather with Michael being the father. Now, that was also taught by Brigham Young. That's called the Adam-God Doctrine. Brigham Young taught that he learned it from Joseph Smith, which I believe. And it's in the temple. Jesus, I mean, uh, Michael is the creator. He's the one under the direction of Jehovah that actually does the creating of this earth. Joseph Smith said that the father's name or the father's title was the creator. He said there are three grand offices for each earth. God the creator, we know that's Michael because of the endowment. God the redeemer, that's Jesus or Yeshua, and God the witness. So 
So that's like the the first presidency for HR. Those those offices can be filled by others. Jesus' atonement was not eternal for all history before or like so the the church right now, and this is taught at BYU, they teach that Jesus' atonement atoned for everything past, present, and future for all time on all planets and all worlds throughout the whole universe. Joseph Smith would have taught something different. So would Brigham Young. Each earth has a redeemer. Each earth has a creator. Earth has a witness. Now, Jehovah, our Elohim, had done the things which Jesus was about to do because he at one time was a redeemer. And when he was a redeemer, at that time, Michael was his witness, God the witness. In the next world, and it talks about this, these next, these oncoming, or these, these new worlds, okay, in the book of Revelation, it said that this earth will become part of the Shamaim, or the heavens, and the new earth will be created. When that happened for Michael, Jehovah our Elohim was the one who went in the Garden of Eden and his father helped him create that earth. Michael was a redeemer to that world and Jesus was God the witness. That earth which we consider our pre-existent earth, went through the course of time, became one of the Shamaim and joined with the heavens. And then this earth was created. Jehovah advanced to a higher level and Michael, who was our redeemer on that older world, became our father, God the creator, for this earth. Yeshua became, went from being a Ruach HaKodesh, a Holy Spirit, or God the witness, and he became, he became the redeemer for that new world, for this world in this time that we're in now. In the book of Revelations, we know that this earth will eventually become a fire of sea and glass and will join with the Shamaim, or the heavens, and a new earth will be created. This earth will be the pre-existent world of that earth that has yet to be created. At that point, Michael will take Jesus, Yeshua, the same as Jehovah took Michael. And Michael will show Jesus how to create a world. And Jesus will descend from his throne, the same as our father Michael did, the same as our father, our Elohim Jehovah did, on, on different worlds. And they will, and he will be a Michael or an Adam in other words, to this earth, 
And Jesus' wife will accompany him and become a Hava or an Eve. Now this stuff is way too deep to be taught in the LDS church because they have given up so much of the gospel and changed so many things and did not understand things because they were not led by prophets that they have rejected and, and got rid of these things. Now you don't ever hear about it because you've got these correlation um, committees that that make sure that they bury things. But that was the restored gospel that Joseph Smith taught. So when Jesus Christ says, let's see here, then, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever thing he does, the Father, these also doeth the Son likewise. That's because the Father descended from his throne and became a Redeemer. And our Father descended from his throne to put upon himself mortality again, to create a world and to populate it with his adopted children. And that our Redeemer on an older earth, when he was in his garden of Gethsemane, adopted us through the law of adoption the same way that Jesus did in his garden of Gethsemane. This is how Jesus is called both the Father and the Son in the Book of Mormon has nothing to do with Trinitarianism, but it's false doctrine. Jesus adopted us in the Garden of Gethsemane through the law of adoption, and we become his children. And he has a father, and we have many fathers above. But those who are adopted by Jesus Christ and become his children are his children indeed. And if we understood the progression of the gods, multiple mortal probation, and these type of things, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But this is like crazy heretical doctrine. But it's no. This is this is what was restored by Jonah Smith. And that's why Jesus said he does nothing except for what he's seen the Father do. Because the Father was a redeemer. Jehovah our Elohim was a redeemer as well. This is the progression of the gods. Continuing on, I can get my computer to work here. We're on page 64 of the crucified Christ. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, he, uh, answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He was speaking of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, or Simon. For he was it... For he it 
was who should betray him, being one of the twelve. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. John chapter 6, verse 66 to 71. Also John chapter 7, verse 1. But when, he, when his brethren were going up, then went he, Jesus, also up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. And the Jews sought at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He is a good man, and others say, said, Nay, that he deceiveth the people. Howbeit, no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. <laughs> That's kind of like people are with me. Some say that I'm a, a lunatic, that I'm a heretic that I'm a false prophet, a false apostle, and others say that I am a good man. I'm, you know, I might be deluded, but at least I'm trying. And others say that I am a prophet and they fully sustain me, but they don't want to speak of it. They don't want to share it because they're afraid of what the church will do or other people will do. So it's the same type of thing in, in this situation. The only difference is Jesus goes in the streets, and I've been told not to go among among the people preaching, just to, to share my witness the way I've been doing it, and that's what I do. So, anyway, it's just interesting. Uh, then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? Although he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him, do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured um, such things concern, concerning him, and Pharisees and chief, chief, chief priests sent, uh, sent officers to take him. Hold on, I need to get a drink real quick. Sorry about that. I'm just, I'm not in my A game today, but I'm still going to put these out there. So if you don't like the way I'm reading, that's fine. You can go read it for yourself, and I will post the text to the radio shows and podcast in my different groups and on my wall. And then people who just listen to this on Blog Talk Radio, you can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash, or I don't know, forward slash, it's all kinds of numbers and symbols. But when you go to ogdencrowd.com, you can see it. Or you can also go to facebook.com forward slash L-A-V-U-R-U-S 1977 and follow me there. I post a lot of stuff, a lot of political stuff and a lot of religious stuff, because the two main things that we're not supposed to talk about are my two favorite topics. Anyway, so let's see. So there was a division among the people because of him, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have ye not, why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man 
spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of your ruler, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? John chapter seven verses ten through thirteen, chapter seven verse twenty five through twenty six, and chapter seven verse thirty two forty three through forty eight. I know that ye Jews which believed on him are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you, I speak that which I have seen my father, which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now, because ye seek to kill me, a man who hath told you the truth, which I have heard from God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father, then said unto unto him, We be not born of fornication. See, they knew that Jesus' mother was not fully married to Joseph when she was impregnated, and nobody believed that she, like, received, you know, Jesus in her womb by God, you know, so, so this Jesus had to carry around his whole life being the bastard son of Miriam or Mary, the son of Joseph. And so they, they all know who he is and they've known who he is for years. He astonished them in the temple. He did things before uh, the account of his ministries. They knew exactly who Yeshua, son of Miriam, was, son of Yosef. So they're going to throw that in his face, because that's what people do. Like, you know, when they can't bring the logical argument, they they say things like, we're not the son of fornication. We're not born of fornication. Like, what does that have to do with a baby's innocence or whatever? Like, what does that have to do with a person's personality? Somebody made a choice. If, if, what they're saying is true, and Jesus was a bastard. Why is that his fault? He was the child product, but why is it his fault? Why is there even a word called bastard? I don't understand how people can like condemn somebody who is innocent for something that somebody else did. I don't understand it at all. But anyway, that's the world we live in. And these people, these particular Jews, were children of the devil, according to Jesus Christ himself. Not all Jews are. And I, would, I, I hate it when people like try to say, well, these guys were Jews and, and they crucified Christ. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ, he was a Jew too. And his disciples and the apostles and prophets, they were all Jews. So you're not going to condemn the whole race of people because one group of jerks did something. Furthermore, we know where Caiaphas' tomb is. Caiaphas had coin, a coin put in his mouth and two coins on his eyelid to get across the river Styx because he was a pagan. He only was a Jew for the purpose of power. 
he was a pagan in his religious thoughts. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. So you cannot condemn a pagan, a Jew who's actually a pagan, and try to place that upon all of the Jews. I'm a Jew as well. My great, uh, my grand, my great grandmother was. Um, oh, I can't remember what they call him. I want to say Karaite Jew, but no, they weren't Karaites. They were Orthodox, but I can't remember what kind of Jew she was. Ashkenazi. And we actually have our genealogies in my family that go back to Adam and Eve, back through King David, all the way back. So, of course, I'm a mutt as well. I've got Scottish and Welsh and English and German and uh, Iroquois Indian and who knows what else. I I even found a, a Chinaman. One, nobody ever followed his genealogy, but I found a Chinaman from China who is one of my great, 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 whatever, grandfathers. So, you know, I'm on on all all sides. But I I do claim my Judaism. So I claim my Scottishness and my German and English and all of that as well. So I... uh, I'm a proud mutt. Anyway, continuing on. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Do ye do the deeds of your father? Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So like they're saying right there, that they are the sons of God. They're B'nai Elohim. And then they're going to throw Jesus under the bus and cry blasphemy when he says he's also a son of God? Like, what hypocrisy. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, that he said me, Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not? Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is he that is of God heareth God's words, yea, therefore hear that therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil. See, they got to, like, do this whole, like, you know, slander crap. But Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you did, you do dishonor me. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it was glad. 
Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham. Jesus said unto him, unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And he said, I am. They knew. So this is Jesus admitting he was the one that gave the law. He was the Melech of Jehovah who came forth to give the law to Moses or Moshe. Jehovah sent Yeshua in the spirit form while he was a Rakakodesh, or a Holy Spirit, to do his work on Mount Sinai in Jehovah's name. Not because he is Jehovah, but because he is Jehovah's messenger or Melech. He is the witness of Jehovah. Anyway, then they took up stones to cast them, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. John chapter 8, verse 37 through 49, also chapter 8, verses 56 through 59. And see, Jesus knew when his time was. He wasn't scared to die. He wasn't scared to speak out against these, these leaders. He knew that he had a mission to fulfill and that he wasn't going to die until it was time. So he said what he said, and then he walked out of there. Not necessarily because he had any supernatural power, but the hand of God was covering him. Because God, our Father, our Elohim, Jehovah our Elohim, protected Jesus because Jesus wasn't going to be put to death until it was his time. All right, let's see. And then there was a division again among the Jews for these things. And many of them said, He hath the devil, and he is mad. Why hear ye him? And others said, These are not, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? I and my father are one. And the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have showed you from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou art being a man, making thyself a god. Which, so what? So did David. Psalms 86. I get Psalms 86. David is a prophet who relays the words of Jehovah. And Jehovah says that there are many gods. Lords many and gods many. But unto us there is but one God. There are many Elohim. The word there in Hebrew means mighty ones. It doesn't mean gods the way you think it means gods. There's only one God, the Eternal Father. But God, the Eternal Father shares his glory with his sons, the B'nai Elohim, and they do his work, and there's an order to it. Jehovah, our Elohim, was the son of Michael, our father, the father who became Adam on the earth, who was the son, the father of Yeshua, our Redeemer. There are levels to things. There's a hierarchy. 
which most people don't understand, and they're too ignorant to even get out, especially back in this day and age. Let's see here. Therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond the Jordan into a place where John at first was baptized. And there he abode. John 10, 19 to 21. He also, verses 30 through 33 and 37 through 40. And, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, or Eleazar, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Miriam, or Mary, had seen the things which Jesus had done, and they believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we, uh, what do we, I hate King James English, but what do we? This man doth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. See, they could care less about the things of God. All they cared about was the power that they had over the people. Same thing as politicians do today. Same, same issues. Satan's kingdom, you know, same issues in, in Babylon. It's the same issues throughout all history. Then from the time forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. And Jesus, therefore, walked no more openly among the Jews, but went, went sent into a country near into the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was night hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What, what think ye that he will not come to, to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he, where he were, he should show it, and they might take him. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there, and they came and not for Jesus' sake only, but they, that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. See, everybody thinks that Jesus was this homeless guy. He wasn't. Jesus traveled in his ministry to reach the people, but he did have a home. But he couldn't go to his home because they wanted to kill him. And they knew where he lived. Part of the reason I keep where I live secret is because I've had death threats as well. I've had many death threats. They, people think I'm crazy or whatever they think. You know, and so, no, I'm not going to tell people where I live. And I'm not going to talk in my own community among the people that I'm among. Because I really don't need the persecution. Luckily, I can take advantage of this this internet and these podcasts and these radio shows, these internet radio shows, 
and talk and not gather a following around me. It's not my desire to actually have a following gather around me. I mean, it would be nice to have like-minded people in the school of the prophets, you know, and like, I, that's one of the things I like about the independent fundamentalists. Many of them know who I am. They know my claims and they're friendly to me. And when I come among them, we have great conversations they're not so much to be converted. I mean, I have had plenty to have sought baptism at my hands, but they allow me to speak and they don't persecute me for the most part. Some of them get stupid and say that I'm a blasphemer and they do the whole Jewish thing that, that the high priest did to Jesus. But among the LDS people, when they find out who I am and they know me personally, well, when they know of me personally, oh my gosh, the, the rumors that fly are ridiculous. And then my kids get persecuted, and my wife has issues. You know, one of the things I like about the Pentecostal church that I go to is that the pastor and the assistant pastor, they know my claims. They've heard people in the community. So we live in Emory County, but we go to church in, in Carbon County. We drive quite a ways to go to church, which is fine. And I, I love, love. If you're in Price, the church that I go to, it is awesome. Pastor David, he's pure gold, and I love him. But they know who I am. They leave me alone. I mean, we have great conversations, you know. But when I go among the Mormons and they know who I am, it's ridiculous. I mean, like I said, I've had death threats. How dare you say you've seen God? How dare you proclaim the things that you proclaim? And really, I look at Jesus and I, I see that he went through the same problems that I go through in my life except for he had to go out among the people to get his message, and I don't. I use the Internet. I have my wife. I drive my truck. I raise my family. I have my kids. People don't know where I live. Heck, even my wife. Um, maybe I shouldn't divulge too much, but all of the bills are in her name, and she kept her last name. We don't have the same last name. It's all for protection. No, I'm telling you what my real last name is. When I tell you my name, my name's Mark Whitman, I'll turn it. But my wife, her last name is not my last name. The bills are in her name, and we do that because we have seen the vicious nature of, of some of these people that proclaim to be Christians and Mormons that want to are crazy. So we've met a lot of crazy people as well. I, I could go into many stories about the crazy people we've met. Anyway, let's see. They should, let's see here. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. 
they, they could care less about whether God did a miracle. All they care about is this stupid power trip. And they shall put you out of the synagogue. Again, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time cometh, uh, comes, ye may remember that I told you of them. John 16, verses 2 through 4. And see, when you are, when you are causing problems in the devil's kingdom, he is going to send his minions after you. So I kind of use that to like, as a, as a barometer. Okay, if I have people coming against me, if I have all these problems because the adversary continues to attack me because of what I do, then that's a good indicator I'm a threat to his kingdom. But if I didn't, if I was just in church and not raising up any problems, not proclaiming my witness, why I'm not a threat to the devil's kingdom at all. You know, a lot of people think, oh, we have such problems because of their stupid, you know, first world problems. But they are not really persecuted by the adversary. But if you are, it's probably because you're a threat to his kingdom. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers and chief uh, priests and Pharisees, cometh hither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Hold on here. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto him, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Simeon, or Simon Peter, oh, sorry, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant. Uh, like, and so, like, Jesus told him to get some swords, right? Sell your cloak and buy some swords. So these, like, anti-Christians that pretend to be Christians and say, they talk about how we should do away with guns and self-protection. I guess they don't realize that Jesus told his disciples to buy swords to defend themselves with, right? And they completely forget about this whole thing about how, how Simon, Peter, or Peter, had a sword and he cut off Malchus' ear with it to defend Jesus, you know? Anyway, but then Jesus said to Peter, put up thy sword unto thy sheep, and the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And the band of the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father in law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest which was the high priest that same year, John eighteen, verses three through five, and also verses ten through thirteen. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto him, Behold, I bring you, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto him, Behold the man. And when the chief priest therefore 
and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. John 19, verses 4 through 6. And it was the preparation of the Passover at about the sixth hour. So, beginning at sundown before the Passover, up until sundown the next day at the beginning of unleavened bread as the is the preparation day. So when the beginning of unleavened bread happens, that's when the Passover happens, after sundown on whatever day Passover falls on. The Last Supper was what was called a preparation meal. This is what is done by the rabbis. They do it as a practice meal. The Last Supper was not Passover. Jesus Christ was crucified. He was put to death when the Passover lambs were being slaughtered for the Passover meal. There's been a lot of confusion about that over the years. I just wanted to kind of clarify that, you know, it was was a kind of a Passover meal, but it was a preparation meal. That's why they didn't have lamb. The Last Supper, there was no lamb. They did not do all of the things which should be done for a real Passover because it was a preparation meal. It was a a rehearsal meal for the Passover that would happen the next night when Jesus was hanging on the cross. And it was a preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, Jesus said unto the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto, unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And they delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. John chapter 19, verse 14 through 16. It is interesting to note that throughout the above passages from the four Gospels, the following names have been repeated over and over as being responsible for the death of Jesus. Chief priests, scribes, elders, Pharisees, and all the council, Pilate, captains of the temple, the rulers and officers, the Jews, at least a segment of the Jews. In summary, then, These four important testimonies include the following incriminating statements. Number one, it was the segment of the Jews who persecuted Jesus and sought to slay him. Number two, Jesus betrayed Jesus to the Jews, not to the Romans. Number three, people at the time hesitated to speak favorably of Jesus for fear of the Jews. Number four, it was the Pharisees and chief priests who sent officers to capture him. Number five, the Jews took up stones to kill him. Number six, the chief priests, scribes, elders, and Pharisees all tried to devise secret plans to put him to death. Number seven, Jesus told his followers to do that they too would be killed by the Jews. Number eight, the chief priests carried from the street are cried from the streets to crucify him. The chief priest did. Pilate, number nine, Pilate found no fault in Jesus, but still delivered him to the chief priest to be crucified. And number ten, the chief priests and the Pharisees were afraid 
that they would lose their place in nation if they didn't kill Jesus. So they were afraid they were going to lose their political power if they didn't kill him. So when we come back, next time I'm able to do a radio show, we'll be on page 70 of Who Crucified Christ, chapter 8, and it talks about two, two additional witnesses, and we're going to talk about Stephen and Paul. When we come back on, this has been Fundamentally Mormon, a Zion's Redemption Radio Network program. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. Okay, that was the program, uh, episode 214, and that was recorded in February of 2020. So we'll be back on the program on Monday at 6 p.m., and we'll do part two of uh, Selected Sermons, and then we'll go on from there. I think that uh, after I'm done reading... uh, Michael Adam about the Adam God Doctrine. I'm going to get into some books about poor marriage because there's a lot of discussion in my Facebook groups about it and a lot of people arguing. And uh, I don't really have time to get into it too much, but um, I'm going to cover um, polygamy in the Bible and then we'll go to uh, to celestial marriage and we'll talk about the contradictions in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants um, uh, that contradict both the Torah law and also the Thus Eth Lord Revelation in the Book of Jacob and the Book of Mormon, which uh, contradicts what David and Solomon did. Section 132 said that what they did having all their wives was completely fine. And Jacob chapter, I think it's two, but I can't remember. It says that what they did was wrong. Uh, so either God is a schizophrenic, whatever, but some of you might think he is, um, or one of them is from Brigham Young, and one of them is true. Also, DNC section 32 contradicts Torah instruction on living. Uh, Polygamy and the fact that you're not supposed to multiply wives. Uh, if you do live polygamy, you're supposed to take care of the the um, the home of your wives and children, the food and the clothing, but also their marriage duties, which is their sexual and their emotional needs. And you can't do that when you've got hundreds of wives or even, you know, I mean, it depends on the person, but even for these guys that think that they can take care of all these women, uh, they're going to get older and they're not going to be able to do what they think they're going to be able to do. So uh, multiplying wives is just taking too many wives and it is against God's instruction in the Torah and God's word is the same yesterday day, and forever. So we'll talk about that uh, when we finish the Adam-God Doctrine stuff. And uh, we don't have anybody. We had somebody in the chat room, but they never said anything. And uh, we, had, we haven't had any callers. So it is Friday night, and the Sabbath has begun, and I'm going to take a break and uh, 
just rest for tonight and tomorrow. So thank you everyone for listening to the program. Um, like I said, uh, Fundamentally Mormon and Zion's Redemption Radio Network come on live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And we'll be back on next week on Monday. Uh, so thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.